and Brimstone. Aquatober continues. Ladies and gentlemen, Aqualas and Aqualasses, if you will. Thanks so much for joining us here in the Aqua Cave. My name is Johnny C., and this is a special spooky edition of Bright Man, which is going to cover the Inferno Match. Yikes! That is certainly a haunting, haunting thing to think of. What makes a person want to rewatch every Inferno match in WWE history? Well, I mean, it sort of fits the theme, doesn't it? So let's get into it. Right off the bat, a little side note. I realize that uh, there. Uh, basically, here's the gist of it: there are four Inferno matches in history. Okay, period. There's also a Ring of Fire match. I get that that's basically an Inferno match. Even though technically it kind of isn't. But here's the thing. That match took place in an era where things were so polished and controlled and, dare I say, a little bit more safe. I don't really want to talk about it. I know Bray Wyatt's a hot topic right now, whose merchandise can be found at Hot Topic, whose fans most likely work at Hot Topic. All right, that's enough Hot Topic gags. But I don't know. I'm not gonna, I'm not trying to capitalize on the Bray shit here. I just... I want to look at the actual quote-unquote inferno matches. So that's what I'm going to do. Now, crazy, the four matches that I mentioned, of them, three, the first three take place all within 98 and 99. You know, the Attitude Era. So big shocker there. What I'm going to do is uh, we're going to talk about each match. I'm going to try to give a little bit of context for why the match took place, and then I'm going to review it. Just like I normally do. I'm going to use my uh, normal system, which I've adopted here in the Aqua Cave. Meaning that a wrestling match is worth two and a half stars. And then the bell rings. They lose stars or they gain them. Whatever happens, happens. Of course, these matches aren't exactly work-rate classics, but we'll see what sort of spectacle they can deliver. I think it's a lot of fun. These matches don't get a lot of play, and that's not necessarily because they're bad or because they're good or anything like that. I think that they're just sort of out there. When I was looking at the official list of Inferno matches, I was like, okay, I know this one, I know this one, I know this one. Wait, there's a fourth one? Surprise! Hidden Inferno match that I didn't even fucking remember. Of course, we'll get to that when we get there. But if that sounds good, uh, grab a light, you know, or, or eat an edible. I don't really care. But either way, come along for the journey here on Bright Man. Chapter 1. The Cade family curse. Oh, yes. Uh, it's truly a journey into darkness here for the very first Inferno match. We are coming hot on the heels of WrestleMania 14, where The Undertaker defeated Kane. But, folks, we know that evil never sleeps. And it was awoken once again on April 26, 1998, at the Greensboro Coliseum in Greensboro, North Carolina, the heart of tradition of the NWA WCW. I mean, seriously, like, it's kind of ballsy to bring the circus to North Carolina, if you will. It's unforgiven in your house. JR and the King are on the call. Now, it's important to mention, because it will come into play later, that before this matchup, uh, Double J, Jeff Jarrett, uh, had a concert with Sawyer Brown, country legends, and Steve Blackman, martial arts legend, and Tennessee Lee was there, of course. I'm assuming this was done 
to allow the pipes and the uh, rigmarole that are necessary to, to fuel the flames to be set up around the ring. So that makes sense. Hilariously, as JR and the King are setting up the video package, uh, the King has hot dogs and marshmallows on sticks ready to roast. Jim Ross is very angry at the King for mocking this very serious situation. JR then cues up the video package by calling this a heated rivalry with a fiery past. So, ladies and gentlemen, Jim Ross in a pot kettle black scenario. The video package begins. It's narrated by Mikey Cole in his uh, bitch-ass freshman stage with his frosted tips. Uh, He recaps the sequences of events that led to the match. The Undertaker refuses to fight Kane. Taker agrees to fight Kane. Taker wins at WrestleMania. Paul Bear has a dream of a ring surrounded by fire. The Undertaker refuses to participate in this dream. Kane and Paul Bear set the graves of Undertaker and Kane's parents on fire. A special remote report on an edition of Raw shows us that the Undertaker then fought Kane at his parents' gravesite. Paul Bear brings the casket of Susanna Calloway Kane to Monday Night Raw. Of course, Aqua K fans know the name of Kane and the Undertaker's mama because we've been following the journey in the darkness. Paul Bear sets the, the gal's casket on fire on the stage on the USA Network during Raw is War. Kane chokeslams the Undertaker into an empty casket right next to the burning one. And Paul Bearer yells, You can rest in peace with your dead mama! Now I mentioned that Michael Cole narrated this thing, and Jim Ross reminded us to take it seriously. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, the video package clocked in at 206 seconds. By my count, Michael Cole made 13 references to fire-related items. That's a fire pun every 16 seconds. So very seriously indeed. Back in the arena, Kane arrives first. The Fink is on the call. The match ends when the opponent is set on fire. Kane has the sense not to fully sleeve up for this thing. He's just doing one sleeve and one exposed arm, which is nice because it would seem to be, in the audience's mind, an easy out if they saw Kane showing up with full sleeves. Hilariously, Before this Inferno match begins, Kane takes center ring and summons his ring post pyro. It's very weak, and one of the posts doesn't even ignite. JR on the call. Oh, Kane's powers rivaling those of his brother, the Undertaker. Of course, this could have been perhaps a safety precaution I'm not aware of, but it's still funny because here we are in the Inferno match. Kane, the master of flames, and can't even summon his pyro. Uh Uh-oh, it's pitch black. Here comes the man from the dark side. His entrance takes a very long time. During his entrance, and I mean this, I notice that Kane really just does tremendous mask work. Of course, he's got his mask here. He's got his contact lenses, the Batman paint around his eyes. Glenn Jacobs, the person, just really knows what to do with his body to tell the story of his character. I'm going to leave it at that, but I'm not joking. The Undertaker has his WrestleMania superhero cape, but not the high Dracula-esque collar. I weep. (laughs) How do you like your Undertaker, JR? Regular or extra crispy? Oh my, that's not even funny, King. 
I don't know. It was a little obvious, but I still find it funny. The match is set to begin. So the house lights go down and we get the dreaded red spotlight. I fucking hate that thing. We get a nice visual as the flames slowly ignite each side of the ring one at a time. I do stand by that statement. Basically, if, you ne- if you've never seen this thing, the ring has a fuel pipeline that surrounds it um, near the lowest set of ropes. It is away from the ropes, though, as to not set the ropes on fire. The bell rings, and here we go! Punch! Kick! Punch! My God, the soup bones on display here early. Uh, JR and the King immediately complain about the heat surrounding ringside. Well, guys, you knew what you were getting into. Get yourself a new job if you don't like it. Uh, Undertaker puts Kane in the corner and hits what I'm calling a Reaper Splash. You know, it's a Stinger Splash, but he's the Reaper. I like the brand synergy. Taker decides to go old school, and I must admit, there is a tremendous visual as he leaps into the air and the flames rise. You can hear the excess fuel hiss like it's... That kind of sounded like a transformer. But like you can hear like the extra fuel getting shot to rise the flames. Like, And I'm not saying that as a negative thing. It's just... It's a spectacle. Pure and simple. It feels dangerous. It kind of makes me feel, actually, though, like I'm watching a couple of circus performers. And yes, that is me throwing shade at the circus. Undertaker is uh, struck by snake eyes, delivered by Kane. And the Undertaker falls dangerously close to the fire. Uh, Mark Calloway is like, oh shit, I better roll the fuck out of the way. And I, I, I stand by that statement. Mark Calloway is like, oh shit. It's not The Undertaker, because Mark is very much like, oh man, there's some flames here, I better roll away. Uh, We get more punches, more kicks, and a clothesline. JR tells the tale. Before, The Undertaker was barely able to prevail at WrestleMania. Uh, He was battered, and maybe he'll be battered and fried here tonight. Ah, battered and fried, JR! Lots of work done in the corners during this match. I believe they're trying to create an understanding that the corner is a bit of a danger zone because you're close and surrounded by flames. Uh, Kane slams Undertaker hair first to the mat, and the flames shoot. Who causes those flames to shoot, JR? JR responds with silence. So let's at least see if there could be consistency with the flames rising. So far, a big jump caused them to shoot as did the big impact caused by The Undertaker being slammed down. The Undertaker locks in the Von Erich Claw. Hey, Kane, it's The Undertaker, and you're afraid of the claw. Uh, uh. But the flames shoot. The Undertaker lets go. The flames shoot. Trying to perhaps take the title of the best pure striker or shooter away from The Undertaker. Oh, no! The Undertaker lifts his boot for a little gut kick. You know the little gut kick. It's patented by Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's the tiny kick he delivers before the Stone Cold Stunner. But upon this Undertaker little gut kick, the flames shoot! Will someone please tell the fire guy to pay attention? Hey, wait a minute. Do you guys think Ryan from The Office might be the fire guy? Ryan started the fire. It just started burning. Hey, the Tam's still learning. Ryan started the fire. But he didn't hide it because Dwight did find it. Power slam. 
the flames. Shoot! Paul Bear is at ringside, and the king delivers a dynamite diss that's worthy of the Hall of Fame. Hey, Paul Bear, you better stay away! Ah, uh, you know what they say? Hell hath no pizza! So you don't want to go there! The cane has Undertaker in a chokehold. Some flames shoot! Now the Undertaker is on the floor, or on the mat, excuse me, and the and Kane is just standing over him, looking at him. The flames, shoot! Shoot him! Paul Bearer gives Kane a chair. We get some mini ignitions as Kane measures. Kane strikes with huge impact, and we get huge flames. A shout! A shout! A shout! Right to the skull! Along with the shot in the flames, we most likely also got a concussion. Don't worry, though. The Undertaker is still eligible to be the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins at this point, though. Kane tosses the chair. Because reasons, I guess. Taker's then rammed into the buckle. I guess you could say he is or he has the face in peril at this point. Because his face is dangerously close to the flames. JR brings up The Undertaker murdering Hulk Hogan to obtain his first World Wrestling Federation Championship gold. It is the heat of the Monday Night War, so that tracks. Great shot of Paul Bear with a tiny hanky wiping sweat from his brow as well. An exchange of blows, center ring causes explosions with each strike. We get some more pure strikes. And how come the flames never rise when these pure strikes are near the ropes? Or in the corner. Hmm. Something smells here. Jim Ross continues to complain about the heat. A side Russian leg sweep gets two explosions through Hellfire and Brimstone. The Undertaker is coming back. Leg drop by the Undertaker gets the highest flames yet. Proving that the leg drop is the most powerful move in sports entertainment, brother. This actually is a pretty fun spot. Center ring, Undertaker goozles. We get an explosion. Kane retaliates with his own goozle. We get an explosion. Now the men struggle for goozle superiority and the flames dance. As if to show the flames are wondering who will be their master. Well, Kane shows them who's boss when he sends his knee straight to the dick of the Undertaker. And then delivers a choke slam with his own flames. Undertaker back up, though, and goozles yet again. The goozle gets three big flame spurts. Tweet, tweet, tweet. And then a huge one for the choke slam. My God, fans, who will the flames answer to? Kane with a patented Undertaker sit-up. A double big boot spot. Both men fall to the floor. No flames. Oh, come on. That was an obvious one. Both men use their powers. Give them the heat. Paul Bear is sweating gravy, according to the king. We do get a shot of Paul. It's at this moment, it's proven to us forevermore that Paul Bear is a graduate of the Colonel Parker School of Hanky Sweat Removal. Because Paul Bear is all over the place with this hanky, and it's just giving me the fucking Tennessee Lee or Colonel Parker feels. Uh, Paul, if you're going to sweat, you gotta always carry a hanky. A Harlem Heat! Get me my hanky. Okay, I'll get you hanky, but you're gonna pay us, right? <laughs> 
Sure thing. Oh, I'm not really going to pay Harlem Heat. Can you imagine? You know what I'm saying here, Paul. Oh, yes. The crowd, God love them, is still into this match. Undertaker misses a flying clothesline. Uh, you know, like his off-the-ropes flying clothesline. Uh, and that somehow gets a flame burst. My God, fans, Kane goes to the very top rope. But no, The Undertaker collides with the ropes, and Kane is delivered his own dick trauma. Jesus Christ, The Undertaker is setting up for a superplex. The King pontificates that the impact from the superplex will cause the fire to shoot through the roof. The Undertaker delivers on his superplex promise. The Flames are mediocre, actually. Kind of a bummer. Undertaker tosses Kane over the top rope like a sack of potatoes. Paul Bear now goes over to Gerald Briscoe, who's in the timekeeper's area. Gerald Briscoe is sitting next to the guy in charge of the fire. This dude is a motherfucking fire DJ. Seriously, stay with me on this one. The contraption looks like the levelers on a fucking set of turntables. Motherfucking DJ Lethal is here to control the fire. Maybe this is how The Undertaker became so close with Limp Bizkit. He met DJ Lethal here at the very first Inferno match. Kane appears to be leaving as he's heading towards the entranceway. Paul Bear still yelling at DJ Lethal. The Undertaker tries to leave the ring, but Paul Bearer is admonishing DJ Lethal to trap The Undertaker with flames as they rise at each side The Undertaker tries to use to leave the ring. The Undertaker is trapped. Sure, this destroys the illusion that the explosions were somehow the result of impact in the ring, but whatever, it's not like they ever said that they were related. Oh my god, it's Vader! What in the blue hell is Vader doing here in some tennis shoes? Vader punches Kane. Vader and Kane! Vader and Kane! Vader and Kane! Uh, Vader and Kane then fight close to the ringside area and they're kind of locked up with one another like a couple of of bowls with their horns locked the undertaker is in the ring he surveys the scene my god he runs he leaps dj lethal bring it on the taker does a plancha over the flames paul bear is now creeping towards the undertaker and he has a chair for some reason the crowd is chanting vader Perhaps it's because we're in a WCW stronghold and they remember the days when Vader was championship material. Paul Bear hits a chair to the skull of the Taker. Taker with a patented no-sell. He then takes the chair from Paul and Jesus Christ, fucking, he crowns King, the the King of Westeros when he just murders him with this chair. Folks, Kane is dead. Like, he is out. Uh, Paul Bear tries to grab the chair. Taker tosses it to the ground. Paul Bear flees in fear. Undertaker in pursuit. They reach the stage that Jeff Jarrett was singing on earlier. The Undertaker grabs a big drum. And my God. He slams it over Paul Bear's head. What song is that? Asks Jim Ross. Seriously, Paul Bear wandering around and then crumbling into a heap with this drum over his head is tremendous. The drum is removed and it's revealed that Paul Bear is bleeding for the sport. The Undertaker approaches the ring. 
Kane has the chair. Undertaker with a little cut kick. Kane falls backwards from the impact. And oh my god, his arm is in the fire. His arm is in the fire. His arm is on fire! Thank god, though, it's his covered arm. Kane scurries. Kane scurries some more. Kane looks at his arm ablaze and scurries all the way to the back. Uh, the bell rings. And thus ends the first ever Inferno match. Okay, well, the match itself. Well, let's let's, let's give this guy a serious uh, a serious take here. So, so the match itself was was pretty much nothing. And what I mean by that is, there's not like a lot of work or story being told with the maneuvers. This one is all about the visuals. Now, don't get me wrong, and I mean this. Undertaker and Kane, Mark and Glenn, whatever. I mean, these guys worked hard because this is a hard spot to be in, okay? So I give these guys all the credit in the world for putting together something that was watchable, okay? I do mean that. And I want to be polite to these guys. They Their minor work does match up with the visuals to at least, you know, give you 16 minutes of basically entertainment, Okay? So, like I said in the beginning, every match is two and a half, then you lose or gain, and we figure out where we end at the end. That's a shitty sentence. I'm going to give these guys three. I think that's fair. The spectacle hides the lack of ring work, and I think these guys, you know, they deserve a little something for the effort. The in- This Inferno match isn't so much forgotten to history. You know, it is the first one. It's memorable. It's good enough. Commentary's okay. And seeing DJ Lethal just really put this thing through the roof for me. Uh, I was ready to take stuff away, but I really sat and thought on it. And I was like, you know, I mean, these guys, regardless of how you might feel about them personally, I mean, they are a couple of fucking circus animals trapped in a goddamn ring of fire. What more do you want from them? Okay? So, I, I, I'm going to be polite. I'll give them three. And, uh, you know, history can look upon this match and remember it decently enough. You want to talk about history, though? History made here in the Aqua Cave. I mentioned earlier that I completely forgot about an Inferno match. I knew the random one that we'll talk about third. And I remembered the fourth one because it was like, my God, the Inferno match is back. But this one we're about to talk about, yikes, completely lost to Johnny C's mental history. So it's a little bit less than a year, but almost a year, February 22nd, 1999, when Raw is War from the UTC Arena, home of the Final Four in your house, for The Undertaker vs. Kane, Inferno 2. But some things have changed since we last saw these combatants. The Undertaker is in the heart of his phase as he is now the Ministry of Darkness Undertaker and beginning to feud with Vince McMahon and the corporate team, as Michael Cole would say. Kane, of course, is a member of the aforementioned corporate team, although admittedly he's somewhat on the outs with its leaders. This episode of Raw begins with Vince McMahon hyping the Inferno match for tonight. So at least it was something they announced from the very beginning. 
Uh, segment also features early attempts to call the big show the Big Nasty, which I appreciate. Uh, this Raw also features the WWF debut of Public Enemy. Interesting. Later in the show, The Undertaker gives a speech and warns Vince that the true threat to the WWF is not Stone Cold Steve Austin, but indeed the Ministry of Darkness. He says the Inferno match will not rid Vince of this problem. And in fact, he has a surprise for Vince later tonight. Oh, now things are starting to come back to me. But it's time for our main event. But first, don't forget to tune in to the Home Shopping Network tonight after all for some exclusive merchandise opportunities on ShopZone. Here comes Vince McMahon. Cole and King are on the call for this match, the first ever of its kind on Raw. The King reuses a line from the first match and says tonight we might be able to buy an extra crispy Undertaker on the Home Shopping Network. Interesting that the commentators are recycling things. I'm sure the combatants will not follow suit. Vince has a microphone. He's got a letter in his hand. He tells the audience that if they're squeamish, to get out of here. Because tonight, the Undertaker will burn. Vince is appalled that he was threatened in such a manner. In this note, the Undertaker burned his family to death. The Undertaker burned his home down and scarred his brother. And he threatened me. No one does this to Vince McMahon. Tonight, he's going to burn in hell. Allow me to introduce the corporation's personal instrument of destruction, Kane. Michael Cole is sickened by this concept, this inferno match. He's in such great fear that the combatants are in serious danger. He decides to promote some on-sale dates for upcoming Raw is War shows in New Haven, Providence, Fort Wayne, and hey, look at this, Cincinnati. Here he comes, the man from the dark side. No coat or cloak for The Undertaker, just his standard ring gear. Oh, and I think I skipped, I wanted to mention, Kane does summon the pyro this time. He gets all four posts. So, the true power of the fire has returned to Kane, hopefully. And oh my god, ladies and gentlemen, Vince McMahon walks over to the commentary table and... Second time in one week, unexpected, but certainly a welcome experience. A concrete man crossover as Vince McMahon on commentary for the second ever Inferno match. Mr. McMahon, can you tell us anything about the mysterious contents of the envelope? Oh, nothing mysterious about it. Shut up! It's personal. We will leave it at that. Nobody goes there. I don't care if it's The Undertaker. Let's just sit back and enjoy this. You're going to see The Undertaker engulfed in flames. You're going to see The Undertaker turn into a human french fry. The Undertaker summons the lights, as he's prone to do in his entrance. Oh yeah, he's got powers. He's got powers, all right. And look at this. Go, go, go. Go, Kane. Go get him. Get him. Uh, Apparently, we are underway. Come on, light it up. Light it up. Light up the ring. The flames emerge from their slumber. There you go, it's lit, yeah! Look at that, it's gonna get hot! Never before on Raw, here we are! The Undertaker starts off the match old school. Hmm, that also seems very familiar. Flames shoot from the Inferno. Kane, though, immediately drags the face of the Undertaker close to the flames, but no! Now the red light is back. Damn, I don't like that. The match continues, kick! 
Punch, it's all in the mind. If you want to test me, I'm sure you'll find the things that treat you. I'll show to beat you. Nevertheless, you'll get a lesson from teacher. Michael Cole explains the rules. Uh, another way of putting that is if you're burning, let me tell you, you're losing big time. We're talking careers on the line here, and that's how it should be. A power slam by Kane gets only a tiny eruption from the flames. Talk again turns to how personal this envelope was, but Vince breaks up this discussion with, Come on, Kane, get him! Get him close to that flame! I want him to feel the heat! I want him to get charred! Come on, Kane! Kick, punch, punch, kick! Michael Cole complains about the heat. Cole says the Undertaker claims to answer to a greater power! Already here in February, seeds of the greater power being sown. No wonder this thing was such a letdown. It it does certainly drag out. In response to this greater power, Vince replies, Yeah, well, let me tell you. Tonight, here on Raw, he's answering to me, pal. Wow, Vince. Spoiler alert, maybe? Jesus. At least he is telling the truth. A suplex by Kane gets some big flames, and oh my goodness, Paul Bear is here as well. Now it's just a full-on family reunion from match one. But he's coming over to Vince, and it looks like Paul Bear is holding a gift box. Special delivery, Mr. McMahon! Go on, open it! He says. Cole and King desperately want to know what's in the box. Um, we'll look at it later. All right. No, that's we really fucking says that. Back in the match, if you even care, Kane is in control. This match is such an afterthought, not only here in my presentation, but it's because it's being presented that way during Raw. And I get it. It's Raw. It's the Attitude Era. It's the war. I understand. The face of the Undertaker is dangerously close to the flame. The King taunts Vince, asking if he's perhaps afraid to open this mysterious box. You want to know that badly, huh? All right. We then cut to Vince at the announce table, and he's opening the box. He sees the contents. His face goes oh so very sad. He takes off the headset. He pulls out a teddy bear. Back in the match, Kane is in peril. Punches, kicks, and turnbuckle strikes by The Undertaker. Paul Bear is laughing at Vince now, audibly. A clothesline causes flames to leap. Kane Tosses the Undertaker over the top rope like a sack of potatoes. Hey, wait a minute. Didn't I just... Kane goes up top and leaps onto the Undertaker. No! The Undertaker moves. And Kane pulls a Mick Foley WrestleMania 2000 and goes sterner first into the table and fuck me sideways. It looked like it hurt. Vince has the bear still. Taker lifts up Kane. He strikes him with pieces of the broken announce table. McMahon still has the bear. Taker then whipped into the steps by Kane. Kane runs towards the Undertaker. Big boot. No. The Undertaker catches the boot. And he puts it in the... My God, Kane's on fire. Kane, for God's sakes, stop looking at your boot. You've already dropped to the ground. Roll, you demon. Roll. Extinguish the flames. Vince has the bear. Kane, still on fire. Undertaker approaches Vince. Vince with the bear. Kane, on fire. The Undertaker takes the bear. Kane, still on fire. Off camera. Vince, seeing the Undertaker grasping the bear, says, Why? Why? 
Why? Taker has the bear. He places it near the ring. Baloo is on fire! Baloo is on fire! My God, Baloo the bear! He's on fire! Vince, on his knees, the Undertaker clutches the bear above him. No! 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 Michael Cole, on the call. The bear is symbolic! The bear is symbolic of what? A bear in flames! Mr. McMahon, lying on the ramp! What does this all mean? What does it mean? What is the symbol? We fade to black. Well, holy shit. Jesus Christ. Although, it does feel very much at home. A huge Inferno match. Nobody cares. It's just an angle. Michael Cole yelling about symbols. Like I, There's something very comfortable about this little seven-minute Inferno match. But, uh... I gotta admit, I feel really stupid for forgetting about this match. This is the one I forgot about. I'm sure y'all thought it would be the one, the last one, uh, which makes sense, which we'll explain. But uh, everybody remembers the bear. Like, everybody remembers this. But I had forgotten that the bear was set on fire because there was an Inferno match happening. I, th- I In my head, it was just something they did, like where Undertaker pulled out a lighter or some shit like that. Uh, the match, however, as opposed to this angle, yikes. Very, very forgettable. You know, it's a third of the time of the original match, and it's a third of the effort from the combatants. This is just an angle. I'm going to be polite and give this thing two, so I am subtracting because, uh, you know, they're just reusing shit. I deduct more, but Kane taking that leap into the table has got to be worth something, I guess. Uh, Considering I only remember the bear angle, though, I don't necessarily believe that the match itself deserves a ton of credit, as it's absolutely an afterthought. I'm moving on, though. Let's talk about The Inferno 3! Which, yes, I admit, sounds like it could be an MTV real-world road rules challenge, uh, but it's not. It's the September 23rd, 1999 edition of SmackDown from Dallas, Texas. Now, this match is pretty big for me, which sounds very strange. I just want to sort of briefly explain why. When I first started the Aqua Cave, I was doing a show called UPN, the SmackDown 6. My goal was to review the first six episodes of SmackDown under the thesis that the WWF was super excited to be on network TV again, and they really wanted to go balls to the wall It's the new fall season, and they want to prove to UPN that they are a success and a consistent ratings giver. And one of the the things they did to do this was they had a lot of episodes that featured a lot of special attractions. Specifically, my goal was to get to this match. Kind of. Okay? The crown jewel of this concept was there's a three-episode sequence where we get a tag team buried alive match. Huge. Then... The next week, we get Vince winning the goddamn WWF Championship. Of course, he would vacate it on Raw. But then on the SmackDown afterwards, we get this Triple H challenge. Now, what the hell is that all about? So, Vince is kind of a face and Triple H is a heel. And there's a six-pack challenge at Unforgiven for the vacant title. And Vince, in a power play, tells Triple H on this episode of SmackDown that he's got to win three out of a five series of specialty matches. Now, the specialty matches would all be based around his opponents. He would face the Big Show in a chokeslam challenge. He would face uh, Midian and Viscera, representing The Undertaker, in a casket match. He'd face Mankind in a boiler room brawl. 
he'd face The Rock in a Brahma Bowl match. Now, the British Bulldog was an ally of Triple H, but not yet a part of this match, because at press time, Undertaker still is. So Bulldog is not involved, so don't worry about it. But he would also face Kane in an Inferno match. So, my podcasting journey is about to be complete. Let's get into it. Hilariously, according to Peacock, uh, their little description for this episode of SmackDown says, The Big Show versus Kane in an Inferno match. Thank God it's not. Here comes Kane. Again, he's 0 for 2 thus far. He is here to stick it to Triple H, according to Michael Cole on commentary. Michael Cole sharing broadcast duties with Michael P.S. Hayes? Yikes. Kane gets in the ring. He summons the pyro. No, actually, he doesn't summon the pyro, so that journey is over. Uh, 1-2, is this on? Here comes Triple H with China at his side. His should-be challenger at WrestleMania 16. Luckily, he's brought the Aquafina to keep himself cool. At this point in the show, he's already lost one match, that being the Chokeslam Challenge. There's four left, if you include this match, and he's got to win at least three of them. Uh, Triple H here, unlike his opponent, is all exposed skin. So he's got a big risk here. Uh, unfortunately, Doc Hendricks, or Michael Hayes, calls Kane a master of the Inferno match. I'm not sure why. The flames ignite. The red light is back. The bell rings. So here we go. Michael Cole warns of temperatures in excess of 300 degrees. Kick. Punch, still all in the mind. If you want to test me, I'm sure you'll find. A big boot by Kane and Triple H rolls dangerously close to the flames. Punch, punch. Kane attempts to burn Triple H now, but Triple H, thanks to the power of Aquafina, is mostly water and is not at risk. Triple H uses the knee and the flames respond in kind. Triple H rolls Kane oh so dangerously close to the flames. He's very close now, but no. Kane fights back to a vertical base. He goozles him. Dick trauma, though, delivered by Triple H. Jesus Christ. Do you not remember this? In the first match, we had goozle, flames, goozle, flames, dick trauma by Kane. It's like these guys just watch the Inferno match that happened before them, before they go out there and like, all right, let's just do that, let's do that. I mean, it's really getting repetitive here. I mean, I understand, like, in a Hell in a Cell match, for example, you'll see certain things repeat themselves, like a slingshot into the cell. Like, whatever. But this, this is just outright theft. Anywho, um, a pedigree is attempted by Triple H, but it's countered with big back body drop. Cole claims to smell burning hair. Goozle once again by Kane. The flames respond. Chokeslam! Kane then slashes the throat. But wait! Out in the entranceway, Kane appears to see something. It's X-Pac, who is indeed unconscious near the Ovaltron. And oh my goodness, here comes the Bone Skull crew, the Undertaker, King Mabel, the notorious one. And Phineas Godwin are here. It appears that X-Pac is their maven in peril. X-Pac sporting the Crimson Mask. Kane boots Triple H. Kane goes up top near the entrance side. And he jumps! Why? Oh, Phineas and King Mabel were there to catch him. Okay, 
Honestly, the way this thing is shot, it, Kane goes up top and then just leaps. I thought this was a leap to attempt to escape the flames. And I was like, okay, I actually really like that. That's pretty cool. Kane, you know, like it makes sense. Now, pleasant surprise that Mabel and Phineas were there to catch him, but it's okay. It's not a big deal. I just, you know, wanted to point out the way it's shot. You kind of see Kane leaping into an abyss, wondering what's happening. At least no one got tossed over the top rope like a sack of potatoes this time. Triple H in the ring, unconscious, oblivious to what's taking place. Mabel runs towards Kane, bumps him with his stomach. Kane falls backwards, and I don't even have the throat to do it. His glove is on fire. His glove is on fire. God almighty, his glove is on fire. Kane scurries. Kane scurries. He does get to X-Pac, though, and he checks on him. He kneels over X-Pac, his hand still ablaze. Uh, Luckily, some WWF personnel is there with a fire extinguisher, and the fire is okay. (laughs) Well, his hand's okay. God. Speaking of okay and laughing, this match was barely okay and laughable. Again, like, it within the context of what I was trying to say on UPN, like, this is cool. Like, oh my god, we got an Inferno match on TV. Unexpected. Like, I totally get what they were going for. I absolutely do. I'm not trying to shoot that in the, in the uh, foot here. However, in execution, the match is like three minutes and ten seconds long or some shit like that. It's like WWF thinks that the Inferno match is a spectacle that they can dust off to get your attention. And I, and I get that. That makes sense. It certainly gets my attention. When I came up with the SmackDown concept, I was like, God, they even did an Inferno match. Like, of all things, they even did an Inferno match because there's a lot of work there. You got to set up the rig. You got to do the fuel. You got to hire DJ Lethal to come in. DJ Lethal also hasn't been seen since Unforgiven, which might be why the Flames haven't been as musical. But... I get the reason to want to do that, but holy shit, you, you've you've killed the Inferno match dead. Kane is now 0-3, and they continue to just repeat spots. Hopefully, our next match will resurrect the Inferno match, because like I said, it's been dead. Dead for seven years. Because for the final stop on the Inferno journey, we have to travel to Armageddon, 2006, where once again, and for the last time, until who knows, we will feel the heat of the Inferno. Armageddon 2006 is coming to us from Richmond, Virginia. Lots of Inferno matches in the South. Hmm. It's a SmackDown exclusive pay-per-view, and the Inferno match is our opening contest. That seems to make sense. That way it's all set up when the show starts. It is Kane being the only man to compete in every Inferno match, desperately seeking a win against a hot new superstar, Montel Vontavious Porter. Finally, Kane is facing someone that's also wearing an outfit that we could potentially set on fire. JBL and Mackle on the call. The match stems from MVP cheating to beat Kane and a lot of other specialty matches like cages and street fights. Michael Cole now claims that the temperatures will reach 500 degrees. Michael, this thing's like a Roman gladiator. Someone is going to burn. Tony Chimmel is ready to introduce our opening contest. 
But folks, the flames are already lit, so how will the combatants safely enter the ring? One, two, you hear the clock ticket. I'm coming! Here comes MVP. Tonight, he's portraying the Blue Ranger. And my goodness, he just looks so young. JBL notes that everything has been pushed back an extra four feet tonight to ensure safety for the commentary team, the tables, and the security barrier that surrounds the ring in order to protect the fans. Michael Cole with an interesting note. Today, he spoke to the chief pyrotechnician, which sounds like a pretty fun job. Gotta be honest with you. But the chief pyrotechnician ensured, Michael, that this would be the biggest inferno match in history with the aforementioned 500-degree temperatures and now featuring 8-foot-tall flames. Here comes the inferno match's least favorite demon, Kane. Now, it's been seven years since we've seen Kane, and of course, some things have changed. Now, he's maskless. His torso is uncovered, exposing the tom-tom, and his hair shaved, kind of like he's straight from the set of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. During his entrance, Kane summons the pyro. This go-around, the actual Inferno match flames ignite. Well, it only took, like, a couple of years, what is it, like nine years to figure it out, but they, uh, they're uh, eight years to figure it out, but they finally did. It looks like Kane, though, has spent the last seven years mastering the art of inferno bending. JBL is furious at Teddy Long for booking this match. Kane is smiling. He's a sick, sadistic bastard, Michael! Here we go! The bell rings and MVP tries to flee immediately, but the inferno flames will not allow this. Kick! Punch! MVP climbs the turnbuckle, now looking for a way to escape, perhaps from the air, but the flames rise, and he thinks better of taking this risk. Big back body drop, and finally we get our first taste of eight-foot-tall flames. Kane hits a wheelbarrow slam! The flames don't ignite, but thank God! Oh, thank God! Thank the wrestling God! Notice, JBL, that we finally have a new spot here in the Inferno match. MVP goes up top once again, but he's trapped because Kane follows. Kane gets pushed up. MVP is up top. And the flames start to ignite as MVP is standing there. Yikes! MVP, fearing for his safety, jumps and hits a crossbody. Flames! Ignite! And again, we have another new spot. MVP is in control. Cole notes that the flame's heat increases by threefold when they ignite. So, be aware of that, everybody. MVP hits the drive-by. The announcers don't make note of it, and there's no flames, so the drive-by must not be a thing yet. Kane, however, sits up, as he's known to do. He hits a big boot, which summons the big heat. He then hits the goozle! Absolutely not. Eight feet worth of flames, though, upon the choke slam. Kane then unties the top turnbuckle pad. He takes it to the fire, and it ignites. All right, so we've got a fire punch coming up. He goes to punch MVP with the flame, but no, MVP ducks and hits Kane, and the turnbuckle pad is dropped. Massive, massive, massive booze for this. Come on, you want to see a man burn? What's wrong with you, Virginians? Uh, MVP 
tosses the turnbuckle, which has now been extinguished to the outside. JBL lets us know, if anyone cares, that the ropes nearest the announce table have melted. I'm unable to confirm this, but I'm just going to go with it. MVP bounces off the ropes on a different side and hits a dropkick to a prone Kane. Perhaps this is a strategy to use dropkicks to roll Kane into the flames. Mackle is correct. Who would have thunk it? Uh, MVP hits another dropkick to a seated Kane. Kane rolls. He goes for one more. One more tiny dropkick and Kane will be engulfed. But no! Kane moves and MVP dropkicks the fire! But he is not set aflame. Kane gets back in control. JBL, still appalled by this match. What in the hell are we doing on SmackDown, Mackle? MVP goes up top again. But Kane pushes him down and MVP goes face first into the announce table. So we figured out how to get outside the ring given our Inferno match history. But at least no potato sacks. Kane follows up top. He leaps. The flames ignite and he clears them. He hits a clothesline. Woo. Close call. We are desperately close to the, or, or dangerously, excuse me, close to the fire now on the outside, and it's any man's ball game. A big boot by Kane sends MVP down. Kane uses this opportunity to talk to the Flames. No, he really does. MVP runs by. He's on the steps now, standing. Another goozle. Kane might be going for a choke slam, but no, he's forcing MVP to bend backwards. Why? Because MVP is dangerously close to the flames. He's close to the fire now. He's closer. He's even closer. Michael! Michael! MVP's on fire! It is true. The franchise of SmackDown is engulfed in flame. Damn you, Teddy Long. Damn you to hell. MVP scurries. MVP scurries some more. Upon further review, his back is on fire, but honestly, the flames are mostly contained to his ass, which is kind of funny, I guess. He is a shit heel, so whatever. Finally, he stops and drops, but before he can roll, WWE personnel are there with fire extinguishers. Kane finally claims victory in an Inferno match. He summons the flames, and yes! They follow his beckon and raise, perhaps to ten. Nay, 20. Nay, 50 feet. And thus, the Inferno match completely comes to an end. So, talking about the match proper, this ends up being like the second longest Inferno match in history. And honestly, it was the easiest to watch. And this includes the three-minute one. Because having MVP in there really made it feel different and a little more special. And obviously, MVP has like a completely different skill set that just enables the match to tell a different story. You know, Triple H was in this thing, granted for only three minutes, but he did absolutely nothing. MVP at least fucking tried. You know, I feel bad upon retrospective because I gave the first one three stars, and it's like, this one's better. Like it is. But... I'm only going to go two and three quarters because the match gets rolling and then the next thing you know, it's over. It's like, man, I'm really enjoying this. It's so different. And I know you can't do like a 30-minute Inferno match, and I'm not saying you should. Control, 
it's just like, oh man, this is so good. If it had as much time as the first one, I'm sure it would have been a higher star ranking. But you live and you learn. And what have we learned here on this very special Aquatober horror-themed edition of Bright Man? Uh, we've learned that over time, the WWE has also learned. They have learned a very valuable lesson. It may look spectacular, but in the end, it's probably best not to play with fire. But hey, don't get caught unaware yourself in a flame without a fire extinguisher. The equivalent of that in podcast form is to subscribe to the Aquacade so you get notified whenever new content drops. I'm Johnny C, and a winner is you. We will see you next time here in the Aquacade.